Luke chapter 10. We're going to be in uh, 38 through 42, the last part of this, this chapter here. <coughs> All right. While they were traveling, he, Jesus, entered a village, and a woman named, woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you even care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Oh, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken from her. Jesus, we pray you open up your word to us this morning. God, show us what it means to live a life of tov, to live a life of good, to make the good choice in everything that we do. God, be with us in a powerful way. God, open up your word. Open up our hearts, Lord Jesus, and engage with us. Teach us what it means to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. You may have a seat. <clears throat> Currently, the most common mental illness in our country today is anxiety. Anxiety is the number one plague of people's emotional and mental states in our country and here in America. In fact, it shot up and in two months up 34% in 2020. And the numbers have not really gone down. Um, 18% of Americans, that's over 40 million people in America, are actually diagnosed with a general anxiety disorder. The number one category in that 18% is, is adolescence, Generation Z, teenagers, and young adults, young, young uh, professionals, and young college kids, 31% are diagnosed with a general anxiety disorder. And the number one cause of anxiety in our, in our, in our world, in our, culture, in our culture, that they've done studies on, is lack of sleep, is stress with everyone. Masks and social distancing have been directly attributed by the CDC to the rise of anxiety since uh, February 2020. And it's more prevalent in wealthier countries like America. For some weird reason, we have all this money that should be taking care of all of our problems. More money, more problems, as they say. $42 billion, with a B, is how much anxiety disorders cost, you know, cost American families last year. $42 billion. Book sales rose 25% from 2017 and 2018 and have dramatically risen over the course of the last year and a half. Self-help in, in the general category, but, but anxiety alleviation within self-help skyrocketed. <clears throat> and how do they tell us to treat these things? Number one, Medication. 
Medication is the number one treatment that is often prescribed to people with anxiety. Number two, sleep. Make sure you get enough sleep. Take a nap. Another one that I commonly see, commonly see is meditation, relaxing exercises. Uh, the number one anti-anxiety app on the App Store in, in Apple is this app called Calm. It takes you through these calming exercises and breathing exercises. Yoga. Acupuncture. A new thing that I've just been able to, started to see is light therapy. Using different shades of light on the human body to, cause, to, to help treat the body itself, the cells. And then we get into super, I mean, all, you know, yoga and acupuncture and all these different things, uh, you know, kind of the beginning of this, but getting into more, deeply more, more spiritual expressions, you know, mandalas in the Buddhist tradition, uh, crystals in, the, in New Age, crystals and, and, and all these things, and Tibetan singing bowls are making are on the rise as well. Singing bowls. So there's e there are these bowls that are made up of a very specific metal combination, and you kind of do around the, the rim and be beat the thing, and it creates just a, a frequency and, and everything. So it's a way that they're, in, in the Hinduism, that they're treating, or I'm sorry, in Buddhism, that they're treating um, stress and anxiety. <coughs> and so this morning, I want to look at for us in the church, what does it look like for us to walk in and to reveal Tov? To walk in it, so like last week we talked about uh, about tov. So then, you know, about uh, we, we talked about last week of cultivating or developing a culture of tov. Yes, yes, I'll get I'll get there in just a second. Yes, I'm getting there. So <laughs> so tov slash good. And we'll get to we'll get to the more elaborate uh, uh, description. You know, I should I probably should have flipped and put that slide first. Uh, <laughs> I'll do that. Here we go. Tov. We'll, we'll get we'll get to that slide first. So tov, good. Is in, so it's the Hebrew word for good. It means that which is pleasing and pleasant, which is desirable, what is of high quality, and the state of everything in its proper place, doing its proper task. That which causes or brings flourishing. So flourishing is the overall state, and good, or tov, is what causes shalom. As, Jesus, as, as God created everything in Genesis 1 and 2, he kept saying, and he created this, and it was good. He created this, and it was good. He created this, and it was tov. He created humans, and it was very tov. He saw the man was, 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 uh, was alone, and that wasn't, it was very not tov. And then he created woman and marriage. He's like, yeah, that's very tov. I like that. It is the epitome of everything that is, that is right in the world. Um, so let's go back. So this morning, so last week we talked about developing a culture of tov, of good, of this ultimate goodness. And so this week I want to talk about walking in God's tov to reveal and bring people into the kingdom of heaven. So to reveal the kingdom of heaven and to bring people into the kingdom of heaven. So let's talk about those words, to reveal. Revealing, you know, putting on display. You know, it's like you know the uh, the lotto ticket scratch-offs, right? You reveal that you lost <laughs> every time. You're revealing these things. You're putting them on display. You're 
you're, you're, it's a mystery beforehand. It's like looking at, a, 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 you know, certain things like, you know, what's in there? Like a Christmas present. What's in there? Kind of trying to shake it and, you know, feeling the weight and everything. And then you uncover, you, you, you rip, the sh- rip it to shreds like my son does. And he opens a box. He's like, ah, oh, socks. <laughs> or he's like, yeah, a fire truck, right? It's revealing that which is on the inside. So to reveal God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, making it manifest. And, and this, this comes through what we do, everything that we do, and not only what we do, but how we do it as well. And to, and to manifest the nature and character of God in Christ on the earth, both individually, me, myself, and I, and the we, us, and our, collectively, corporately, as the church. And to bring, let's look at that word, to bring God's people, to bring, I'm sorry, to bring people into God's kingdom, to add to our number, as it says in Acts chapter 2, to add to our number daily those who are being saved. And we're going to talk more about, but you can probably notice over against the wall, we have a, we have a hot tub. It's amazing. It's, it's, you know, it's, so that is, I'm so excited. That is our baptismal, new baptismal, to, to bring people in to the people of God, to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, to, to welcome people into the family of faith, and to proclaim faith. It's the, the symbol of washing sins away. And as someone is put down into the water, it's this, identifying with Jesus' death, being covered by the water, means he identifies with, their, with his burial. And being brought up out of the water, we identify and proclaim that we are being raised to, to live in the newness of life, in the new, as a new creation, washed completely clean of all of our sins, and brought into the kingdom, and brought into the family of God. Right? As Jesus said, he, he, this, this dead kid, he raised him to life and gave him back to his family. Gave him to a family. And that's what God does with us. When we're baptized, we are baptized and identify with Christ and the salvation, and we are raised and given to his family. And so, adding to our number those who are being saved... And having that as the, as the forefront, in the forefront of our mind. We're not trying to like suck people from other churches like, hey, come and be a part of what we're doing over here. Come over here. It's we want, to, we want to extend and expand the kingdom of God. The kingdom is what we want to expand. The ecclesia of God. <clears throat> and so as we look at that statement, you know, Jesus' statement to Martha is, is identifying this word tov. is saying that she has truly, she has chosen what is truly tov, the best, better, you know, the ultimate. Um, <clears throat> as we talked about last week, developing a culture of tov, or, or now we're talking about walking in this culture of tov, and choosing and deciding and walking in that which is truly optimal virtue. The virtues that are truly optimal for our life. As Jesus said, the way, this is the way in which we live. The way, the truth, and the life. <clears throat> Um, did I not? It's weird. Okay. <clears throat> so let's look at a couple things. Let's look at Mary. In our passage, we see Mary. What is she doing? She sat at the Lord's feet. She was sitting. And Jesus said that she had made the right choice. So these are a couple observations that we can make of Mary in this passage. Well, let's look at what's going on in this passage. 
Well, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, it doesn't seem like too big of a deal, right? I mean, <coughs> it, it would be more attuned to like this. We have women in our church building that are listening to me preach. That was a scandal. That was a scandal in their culture. Like, their architecture, in ancient, ancient architecture, they actually had, they built houses, thinking about each room was like for the men over here, and then the women over here. Like, you had certain areas, and if there were a lot of people over the house, the two genders wouldn't mix very much, if, if at all. And so you had this separation of men and women in the, even just the, in the living space. So this was her, Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, for Luke to write this, was like, wait, what? What, 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 what? It was scandalous. This was huge. This, she was out of place. She was acting like a man in that culture. This is what she was doing. <clears throat> hmm? Just a, Yeah, the culture. Just the culture itself was just very much the separation. So this position of learning at the feet of a rabbi was specifically only for men for teaching because here's the thing not you know and this is not only a man this is a rabbinical posture of learning when they say sit at their feet they, they may have been sitting literally at his feet they could have just been sitting out here like out, out and about sitting learning and here's the thing this is not just like simply you know being a fan of jesus or listening for personal growth they didn't have this whole concept of learning like this for personal faith for personal growth they, they listened for personal ability to then, in order to teach. So rabbinical students learned under a rabbi so that they would become a rabbi. They learned in the synagogue, they, they worshipped in the synagogue and listened to the, to the, the word of the, the, you know, the Pharisee or whoever was teaching in the synagogue so that they would be able to live out their faith. But in this setting, in a home, under a rabbi, Students were learning how to teach others. <clears throat> I love how N.T. Wright puts this. So Jesus affirms her right to do so, to sit at Jesus' feet in this position in front of a rabbi. This has little to do with the, women's, with the women's movements in the modern West. They do have some parallels with Jesus' agenda, and the two can make common cause on several issues. But they should not be confused. Jesus' valuation of each human being is based not on abstract egalitarian ideals, meaning men and women being equal um, in all things and all, all places and culture, but on the overflowing love of God, which, like a great river breaking its banks into a parched countryside, remained barren and unfruitful. Mary stands for all, the, all those women who, when they hear Jesus speaking about the kingdom, know that God is calling them to listen carefully so that they can speak it too. <clears throat> he sums it up basically in this, this phrase. It says, Mary has taken her place as a future teacher and preacher of the kingdom of God. Breaking cultural standards. Breaking all these things. Basically not saying that there's like this, now this egalitarian, like liberal feminist movement type thing. What he's saying is that the, the, you know, the, the, the place where women have been basically put and placed down here is now starting to flow over and overflow into the rest of culture. Women being, being raised up. Jesus is raising up women like never before. This is a scandal because it has never been done before. 
Like even in the, in the Roman and Greek pantheon where women are elevated to the form of pro, your prophetesses and priestesses, they're still under men in, in worth and value. In the church, Jesus says men and women are equal in, stand, in worth and in value. Jesus is radical in this. He is followed by women, and not just being followed by women, but he is teaching women in order to be able to teach others. So this is the, the place to... I couldn't hear what you said. Shh, quiet you. <laughs> Technology, I tell you what. <laughs> So we've been looking at Mary and seeing her rightful place, that Jesus is elevating her and inviting her into a, to something new. Jesus' kingdom is all about something new, a new culture, a new, for, a new way of being in the church for both men and women. But let's look at Martha. Let's look at what she did. So let's look, observe Martha. Martha welcomed Jesus into her home. She was very hospitable. She's like, come on, come on in, the water's fine. But she was distracted. And that word distracted uh, means drawn away or pulled apart. Kind of this pulled into pieces you know, element. Upset, like this turbulence, you know, agitated or part of, triggered. Martha was here, was pulled into pieces and triggered. And they often go together. Because when you're pulled to pieces, you feel stressed. And you get triggered by the, the, by, by the smallest thing. Going around the house trying to, you know, do everything and, and, you know, got a crazy messy house and you're like picking this up and doing the laundry here and doing the, the dishes here and da, da, da. And your husband walks in and he's like, hey, what's for dinner? Shut up! <laughs> it, our emotions get so riled up when we get pulled apart. Pulled to pieces, drawn away from where we're supposed to be. And he says, well, you're worried about many things, but few are necessary. So let's look a little bit deeper in that. You know, stressed. Why was she stressed? Why was she drawn apart, you know, drawn away or pulled apart? Well, she was doing something good. She was doing a lot of work out of a heart of love. She was trying to do good for Jesus. She was trying to do good for her guests. Because again, the custom, you know, custom-wise, that's what you did. You welcomed people into your home. What's the first thing that you do to people then when you invite them into your house, usually? Sit down. Sit down. So like, would you like something to drink as you're sitting down? Right? <laughs> like, hey, come on, have a seat. You know, would you like some tea? Would you like some coffee? Would you like some water? Can I get you anything to eat or drink? Being hospital. Martha was doing that. She was doing good. Jesus, what did you used to say? Oh, you are kind and thoughtful when things are going your way. But you're being drawn away and triggered so easily when you can't control the situation. Simmer down, Martha. Calm yourself. We don't need much. Maybe just a snack. You already had some of that bread laying around. Just give us some of that. We don't need much. So you don't need to prepare that much. So, I mean, Martha. Martha, in the story, so it's, you know, some people have kind of taken this and, and done this, you know, 
thing where basically like they're comparing this uh, very active uh, kind of uh, spiritual experience, you know, spiritual expression with this very like contemplative and much more like flowy and just whatever happens, you know, type spirituality. And they're trying to like compare the two. And yeah, I can kind of see that in here. But honestly, I think it's more just simply about um, how, you know, how can we, cont- how can we see this commentary for us today? What is our state of being in our daily lives and how we interact with others, both in inside and outside the church and our family? How do we, how do we walk our life? How do we walk in life that God has given us? And what are, what is our life revealing? As I said, we want to walk in and reveal, you know, walk in in Tov to reveal and to bring people into the kingdom of heaven. And so how, let's look at the way that these two people walk. So Mary is walking in this following posture. Not like this relaxed and sitting. It's this intent, I need to learn so that I can do. I need to learn so that I can teach, so that I can preach, so that I can live my life this way, because this man has the way. Like Peter even said, you know, Peter's, you know, Jesus said to all the disciples, are you going to, you know, after he, he spoke a really hard sermon and like thousands of people left, like I said, Jesus is the most, is the worst person to look at for church growth strategies. <laughs> He's great at church subtraction, not so much multiplication, uh, maybe division. (laughs) But what is he? He he says all these things, and and thousands of people leave. And he says to the disciples, are you going to leave too? And and, and Peter says, where else are we going to go? You're the one that's got the words to eternal life. We're going to follow you. Mary is in this posture of hearing and savoring the words of life so that she can live, teach, and preach life to everyone she knows, everyone that she knows. And Martha is so distracting by trying to do all this good that she's forgotten where good comes from. I mean, in our life, in our society today, I mean, think about this. I even heard on the radio um, as, as I was driving this week. She said, people feel like they can't really enjoy life because they are constantly busy. We are so busy doing good, doing good things. Or not. I mean, doing things that just keep us busy. Like, I kind of feel like that with, with this last month. It was just busy. It was so busy. Everything was packed full. If you look at our calendar, it's just, you know. We have, the, we have the, my, my grandfather used to have this, or my dad used to have this test for, for music. He would take the sheet of music and he, in his hands and he would go like this and shake it. And if it turned black, it was too hard. Too many notes. <laughs> and so it's kind of like, if I grab my calendar and shake it, this was too busy of a month. <laughs> it was too full. Too much writing on, on the calendar. I mean, a lot of things that were life-giving and great and full, but it's like, now I'm like, okay, October. This needs to be a, just a month of rest. Just being with, <laughs> being with, 
with people, you know, with, with you guys and with my family, just like being with um, God's people, just resting and, and, and not feeling like this. Because like, people can't feel like they can't really enjoy their life. They can't live their life. Things. The magic word that we need to learn. <clears throat> no. <laughs> What's the magic word? No. No. <laughs> Shift the magic word from please to no. Still say please, but <laughs> please no. <laughs> there it is. I like it. Now, but here, but here's the other thing. Other flip, flip side of that of that coin. <clears throat> Now, busy is not to be confused with a good and healthy work ethic. We need to have a good and healthy work ethic. Get the work done. Work. Provide for your family. Do these things. But there's a difference between a good, hard work ethic and busying yourself with too much work as well. If you can't do the things that bring you and your family life and bring your church family life, then you're too busy. Think quantity. I'm sorry. Think, think quality over quantity. Oftentimes in our, in our world today, we're told quantity over quality. I mean, the other week, God, I was about to go to, you know, do a road trip up to Big Fork for a conference, <clears throat> and my car wouldn't shift. I was like, what's going on? And I got it in, in like neutral, and it was reversed. I was like, wow, what in the world? And I learned later that I had, when I was trying to check my air filter, I had knocked this little plastic piece, little plastic part, and it broke, which is the thing that connected my stick shift to the actual transmission. Oh, wow. It was a $9 part for a plastic piece, piece of plastic. God. But it's like that. It's like we, we make everything out of plastic. It's quantity over quality. What, would, what if that piece was made out of metal? Would have stayed there. Wouldn't have broken. Would have paid, had to pay ten more dollars for a stupid plastic piece. I'm, I'm not better. But in our world today, think about it. In, in every in every area of our lives, quantity, 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 getting more and more and more. You know, live, consume. You know, die to make room for more people to consume. And consume, and consume, and consume, and consume. In order just to live and die. When we view our life as consumers, we don't live lives of tov. We don't live lives that perpetuate tov to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation. There are, in our world, we, there are several things that we need to work to unvalue from our lives. Now, this isn't, this is, this thing not safe? <laughs> I edited my, my presentation. Darn it. We need to unvalue certain things. Not, I'm not saying devalue them. I'm just saying we're in our, in our lives, in our world, in our minds, they've been put up here. We need to bring them down to where they are appropriate. We need to engage and reorder our lives 
to produce good, to produce tov. But what, what do we put into our lives? What do we cultivate? Like we talked about last week, how do we cultivate? What are we, what are we cultivating doing in our lives? What are we, what are we, what are we manifesting? Let's look at these different areas. Relationally, are we investing in our marriage, in our kids, friends? Are we investing tov into our family and our coworkers, our clients? Are we investing tov? Are we walking in and revealing tov physically? Getting rest. Getting sleep. Enough, enough hours of sleep. What is our, are we investing tov into our diets, into what we put into our body, into what we do consume? Is it good? Or is it junk? Are we investing tov mentally? Are thinking, you know, are we sitting? Here's, here's a, a good practice for you guys to think about. Just sit. For, they say if you sit and just, and just don't do anything for 15 minutes, just let your mind wander. Just think. It'll actually cultivate more mental clarity in your mind. Just sit. Give yourself 15 minutes just to sit. Do nothing. Don't eat. Don't do anything. Rest your hands. Sit in a comfortable posture and just sit and think for 15 minutes. What's that? During awake hours. During awake hours. Yeah, don't, don't do it right before bed. Yeah. <laughs> but this, you know, think, in your thinking, how can you invest Tove in your mind? You know, even re- like retreat, getting yourself out of, of maybe if, you're, if your job is very intellectual, maybe get out and do something kinetic. If your job is very kinetic, kinetic invest in your mind by sitting and doing something mental. Stress reduction. Think stress reduction in, in, your, in your mind, in your body. And, and mind and body are so intertwined. You know, to affect one is to really affect the other. And spiritually, how do you invest tov into your spirit? Prayer, reading scripture, worship, your act group engagement. How do you invest good? How do you invest tov into your spiritual walk? First Thessalonians says, see to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. And actually, I want to read that whole scripture because I had, I had edited this, this sermon. I don't know what happened, why, why it's not pulling up the slides that I, I just made like an hour ago. Um, five, right. <clears throat> Here we go. Excuse me. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you, and to regard them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone. There's that, that slide. But always pursue what is good for for one another and for all. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the Spirit. Let me say that again and feel that. Don't stifle the Spirit. Don't despise all things, 
Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. What is the opposite of stifling the Spirit? Unleashing the Spirit. Giving Him full permission in our lives. And giving Him full permission in our expression. Giving Him full permission to operate through your life. For you to walk by the Spirit is to manifest the Spirit. Spiritual gifts. For us to be able and willing for things to get weird. Because guess what? God is weird. Jesus spit on the ground, made mud, threw it on a dude's eyes, and told him to go walk across town, a blind guy, and wash in a pool. Jesus does weird things. And to expect the weird. And to look forward to the weird. Because usually those, those weird moments are the oh moments. God releasing people. God healing people. Like even this week, I got, to, I got an opportunity and blessing to pray over a couple guys here after our worship night who had insomnia and body aches. And the next morning, they both said that they slept amazing through the night and their bodies felt better. For weeks and months, they had, had insomnia. And seeing that God still heals. My testimony of back when I was in Midvale, I had a cra- you know, my left eye was starting to go crazy and go weird. And I started to see like this fan of light and it was super dry and I didn't want to drive at night. So I actually would give the keys over to Anne Berlin, which I'm sure she appreciates because I never let her drive uh, <coughs> when, when, when we were together because I just enjoy driving. But then we were, in, we were in a home church and I asked them to pray over me and they prayed over, they covered my eyes, they prayed for me, healed. In an instant, my eyes were like, like, like spewing tears <laughs> like never before. And that's, that fan, that whole, the, the brokenness in my eye, was completely healed. God still heals. God still works. And we need to provide him an environment that he can work, that he can manifest, that he can heal, that he can speak words of prophecy. To give him full permission and allow ourselves permission to let Holy Spirit work. To let Holy Spirit to unleash and give God permission to be himself. What is the worst thing in any relationship where one person feels like they have to stifle who they are in order to fit in in this relationship? Are we doing that to God? Are we asking him to change who he is and what he wants to do so that he's welcome in our church? Or are we saying, do we want to say to God, you do you, boo-boo. Yeah. You be you, God. We want you, God, to be yourself. To be powerful. To be life-transforming. To lead us. To guide us. To kick the devil's butt through us. Amen. <clears throat> One of our values is to be ready for spiritual warfare. But I'm going to go even a step further and say, we need to engage in spiritual warfare. To, to take back the kingdom territory of God. To push back the, the territory of the enemy. And see the, the land, the, see the atmosphere of our city shift. We don't focus on the people, we focus on the atmosphere. And when the atmosphere shifts, the people shift with it. When God is the ruler of the land, people respond to God. So we need to love people and fight for them on their behalf. Engaging in that spiritual warfare in prayer. 
in our lives. That's what it means to walk by the walk with him. Because what does God want to do? What does the Holy Spirit want to do? He wants to extend the kingdom of God. He wants people to come to salvation. He wants people being baptized. He wants people being discipled and growing in relationship with people. He wants the family of God to love and serve one another and to encourage one another and simply to get with one another. He wants us to walk in our identity. Walk in Tov. He wants us to walk in God's Tov. So that our lives and our words and everything about who we are individually and as a church reveal, put on display God's kingdom. And when we do that, people will respond. When you live Tov, a Tov life, people will respond. And we bring people into God's kingdom, into the kingdom of heaven. Is is that not the goal of the church? And so these are the things that we do. So the the things that we do to cultivate this tov, instead of the ways of the world, you know, which are to, you know, they're, you know, medication and sleep and meditation and yoga and, yo- and acupuncture and light therapy and mandalas, mandalas and crystals and singing bowls and all this other garbage. We engage with God through prayer, through meditating on God, on his word, on who he is, on who he says he is, on the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. We engage in relationship with one another. We sleep, do practical things, get rest, and engage with one another. I want to keep encouraging us back to this. The power of prayer. The power of engaging in relationship with our God. That is where you will know the heart of our Father. That is where you'll encounter in your spirit the kingdom of heaven. And when you experience the kingdom of heaven, you'll bring the kingdom of heaven to every relationship you have and bring other people into the kingdom of heaven. That is God's goal. That is God's heart. That is God's desire for us. For us to walk in and release tov, goodness, in our families, and in the world around us. Jesus, we thank you for our time this morning. We thank you, God, that you desire to move more than we do. Than more than we do. God, I pray that you would invite us to unleash you in your church, that we would no longer stifle the Holy Spirit, but that we would see free expression of your Holy Spirit, to see you doing awesome and amazing things, Lord Jesus, healing and restoring, speaking and moving. God, just that you, we, want, we want to see you at work in the one another, among us, God. <clears throat> Lord, engage with us. Invite us. Comfort us, Lord. Heal us. And draw us near.
so that we may experience the heart of the Father, the heart that is good, the heart of goodness, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.